I'm one of your hosts, Grizzly Abner, and I am joined by Professor Wagstaff. Venomous Vinny. Hot Toddy. Good to be with you again, friends, as we dive into quite the franchise. Uh, it's a movie about a big old monkey, right, Vinny? Ape. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, folks. About the large ape that we all know and love goes by the name of King... Kong. Yay, yay! So we are covering as many King Kong movies as we could legally get our hands on. As we could force on you. Yes. And then I noticed that you're wearing a t-shirt of it. Yeah. <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> yes. Fire your oh, Man, I forgot. I was going to bring my King Kong toy down here, get my record out. Oh, is well. this kind of like when you, uh, you, you bitched about Dracula, and then I come over and I'm like, why are you wearing a fucking Dracula shirt? <laughs> <laughs> We're all going to tear that shirt off you like the Skeksis here in a little while. <laughs> okay, so King Kong. Um, I'd say growing up as a kid, King Kong, if it was down to, between King Kong and Godzilla, I was a King Kong kid. What about you guys? King Kong or Zilla? Well, obviously, I was King Kong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, King Kong. I, Godzilla wasn't even on my radar at a younger age, but I've always loved King Kong. I think I said it earlier that, not that I don't like sci-fi, but I'm not the big sci-fi person, so King Kong definitely over Godzilla. Okay. I think mine was really influenced by King Kong 76, which we'll definitely get into my, my early love of King Kong. But uh, I, I don't have, I had a real janky King Kong toy, but I still have my Godzilla toy from when I was a kid. I had a King Kong, it had to be from the 76 movie. It was solid rubber. Mm -hmm. And one arm was kind of curled out to the side and the other hand was up like he was getting ready to give me I think eye. that's the one I had. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Cool. So, it stayed normal. I thought this could get weird quickly. <laughs> Actually, sir, that wasn't a children's toy. <laughs> that was Kingdom. I used to, I used to have uh, my dad's original toys from the early 60s that he has. Oh, wow. Um, the model is a little beat up, missing a leg at this point. Um, but And he's got some other cool toys that weren't actually licensed King Kong stuff, but were popular because of its resurgence. Sure. I think I have the, the McFarlane toy. That's a sweet ass toy. I just that that I wanted that one for years, and I finally found a loose one when we were at Scarefest in Lexington, and uh, got a ridiculous deal on it. Doesn't have the platform, doesn't have Fay Ray, but that's all right. I just wanted the conk. Yeah, very nice. That and I, th I think I and I I think I picked Vinny up one probably like Arby's because Arby's always had the cool glasses. I can't remember who put those, which was probably out. the King Kong seventy six. It was. Maybe. It was. Yeah, there's like a series of four of them, four or six of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. So, you guys uh, 
Listeners, check out the movies. It's been fun covering that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great, great talk. Good, good to be, good to be with you. God bless. Uh, well, we'll see you next time. Uh, okay, so I think the only logical place to begin is the original King Kong film, unless you guys want to do it in a different order. Todd, what's the timeline? What is the official timeline? The here? timeline is that we start with the original. Okay. Now, is that the timeline for when they were released or when it's set? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Get some fireworks <laughs> early. Okay, so let's talk about the OG King Kong. Let's talk about why King Kong's not been in space. That's a good, that's a good point. <laughs> Don't give him any ideas. He's been in Hollow Earth, though, which is similar to space. Okay, uh, Todd, <laughs> give us the dates and the details on the OG King Kong. King Kong, 1933, directed by... I apologize. I was on a, a sugar kick last night when I was trying to write, so I'm a little drunk. Uh, Marion C. Cooper and, uh, for some reason, it's in the first movie, it's B. Shodasak. <laughs> or Ernest B. Shodasak. As a kid, I grew up in a neighborhood that had a Shodasak. Uh, he had to knock on all the neighbor's doors to introduce himself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that you and I both had something responded within five we're, uh, seconds. We're going to go with that name. And uh, <laughs> I was trying to make a cul-de-sac joke. <laughs> and starring Faye Listeners, Ray. let us know if anybody landed a single joke in the last two minutes. Okay. Sorry. Time. Details. Starring Faye Ray, Robert Armstrong, and Bruce Cabot. King Kong. All right. Who wants to, to, to land a premise for this one? All right. I think this falls to you, Vinny. Let's, let's get at it. Let's get at it. So you've got a Hollywood director, Shyster. I just thought those were synonymous. Go ahead. <laughs> he tricks a, a young, pretty girl, naive girl. Do you mean he kidnaps a wayward girl? <laughs> go on. Tomato, tomato, sir. <laughs> uh, convinces her to go... Star in this film that he's really sketchy on the details on. Uh, gets on a boat. He's got this map. He gets there. Skull Island. There's natives there that worship this this deity. Uh, it's King Kong. <laughs> <laughs> Him's a giant ape. <laughs> and they offer up... Well, the white woman, basically. And... Uh, he kidnaps her, and a dazzling display of 1930 special effects ensues. We all know the story. I don't think I'm, I'm enlightening anybody who's tuning in. <clears throat> I don't. I hope no one's listening to this because they are really curious about what the King Kong <laughs> classic, movie is about. Classic story of Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. So they kidnap said monkey, bring him back. King Kong. Is a deity that sounds like a small barking dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I couldn't tell you if I've ever sat down and watched this film in its entirety. I've seen bits and pieces of it throughout my life. You know, whenever you know, just show up on something. Yes, he wears a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> um, do, do you know who that band is? It's on your shirt. <laughs> Name three songs player. You know what? Kudos to you for saying that out loud in front of us with the shirt on. The firing squad is lined up. Yeah, I don't care. And right, <laughs> I don't care. But, you know, I mean, at first, what year was this? 30, 33. 33. 33. 
I was sitting down to this and I was like, oh, this is from 1933. It probably won't be very long. And I'm like, oh, this is almost two hours for a film from 1933. And I think the official runtime is what, two hours and five minutes or something? Close to it. Yeah. It shocked me. And so that's probably why, as in my youth, I, I rarely sat down to watch two-hour movies as a kid. So to, to sit down and watch this in its entirety. Um, so, you know, it kicks off. And, like, before they reveal Kong, you know, you're watching it. And, and I'm just reminded of why this movie is so famous. You know, like, it, it's just so well done. Like, the stuff in New York City, the plot sailing to the island, getting to the island, uh, getting on the island, seeing all of that. I mean, it's just, it's a masterpiece of filmmaking, right? Now, we can joke, as you were starting to do, about how the special effects don't hold up, but this was 1930. Oh, I love the special effects. This is almost 100 years ago, yeah, right? Yeah. So, like, you're, you're watching this, and you're like, man, this must have blown people's minds Absolutely. when it came out. So, that was one really cool observation right off the top. It was like watching it sitting here. I'm like, this isn't famous just because it's King Kong. This is famous because it's a really well-made movie. Yeah. And I think that's an important detail to point out about this movie is that when people get together and do not skimp on anything, ranging from financially to creativity, it ages very well. Yeah. And so I would make the argument that this has aged better than most of the movies we're going to talk about, which have been made much more recently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's because of that. They they didn't take the cheap routes. There's scenes where you will see like uh, spears being thrown uh, from an actual human being, and then they'll turn and it'll be in the shoulder of the model. I mean, little things like that. They really tried to sell the audience. Um, And I think that's why it holds up so well Mm -hmm. uh, because effort translates much better than technology does. And a lot of times, you know, can forgive some of that stuff. So if you really want to allow yourself to consume this movie, you will quickly get over its age Mm -hmm. because of how well those things are done. Even the angles that they shoot models against humans at, are smart and they're so far ahead of what movies were doing back then, mainly because of cost. Yeah. And with this, they had the whole crew from the silent movie, the lost world with Willis O'Brien running that. And they allowed them to do the same thing, but jammed it into a much bigger story. And that's why, I mean, and we'll, we'll talk about this with the other movies. It's not just, horror elements it's adventure and fantasy mm-hmm. and that but they don't hit you over the head with it it still always feels to some degree grounded but i think that's what makes a lot of this stuff so fun in it mm-hmm. i kind of <clears throat> definitely agree with what you say because uh i don't feel that the special effects are bad even watching it today because it, it's such a good movie it doesn't take you out of the movie whatsoever um I'm sure if like I went and saw this and it was a new movie, I might say a little differently, but again, um, I don't know. I just think when the efforts put more into a movie, it, it's usually a film that's going to hold up. Like, uh, I will bitch all day long about CGI, but like Jurassic Park and Terminator 2 still have some of the best effects. And those are, those are some of the first movies that were using it. Um, because it wasn't just a, a, a quicker route to, to skimp on things. So viewers are very forgiving if they're being respected. 
I mean, it's as simple as that. And yeah. King Kong always takes its audience serious. That That's the argument I always make when I revisit Star Wars 1 through 3, mm-hmm. is that they got so lazy with the CGI, like they walk by something and it's not even like a real prop, it's just like a CGI prop. And I'm like, you didn't have to do that. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have whatever money you need. You're George Star Lucas, Wars, right? right? You could have done anything. Yeah. yeah. I think that this movie holds up for the same reason as something like The Wizard of Oz holds up. I was thinking of Wizard of Oz while he was talking. The Wizard of Oz, it's practical effects and practical makeups that even as a kid, you could you could kind of figure it out a little bit, how it was done, some of the stuff. I felt that way about King Kong growing up. Now, if I was an audience who had never seen a special on stop-motion animation before, back in 1933, and was a fresh audience, I can still put myself in that seat of how mind-blowing this must have been and how confused people must have been of how how did they do that? There's a scene that I think is really clever where uh, a dinosaur is dead and Denim is walking next to it with somebody else. And I can, I in my head now, I know how it was done. You know, they've got the models like on a rotating table as it's filmed. And then as they walk, it rotates around. It looks like they're walking around it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just can't imagine in 1933 not having any idea how that happened, how that how that <clears> works. <throat> that, But to me, that's, that's the appeal of the movie to me is I'm a, spe- a person who is really sold to practical special effects. And that's always been a part of it that I liked is because I could, I knew that it was practical effects <clears throat> and either figuring out or seeing how that they had done it. I just kind of wish I could have been in a situation where my mind was completely blown out of the back of my head. Yeah. Like an audience in the 1930s. But like you said, this movie runs like two hours. You're 42 minutes in before you see Kong. Mm-hmm. Which is a common trend in this franchise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 42 minutes in. And then once he's there, it just having that, they had that giant mechanical hand. They had the giant mechanical head for close up shots. Like it just, it's unbelievable what an undertaking that was for the time that it it was made. And it's even more, like you said earlier, we're nearing up on this being almost 100 years ago. Um, uh, the part I really want to dissect from the movie. Now, obviously the ending is famous, but I feel like what makes this movie what it is where it, it gets into greatness is the build up to the reveal. Um, the music that they're playing, which is basically leading up to the sacrifice when the group first arrives on shore there, it's got that ominous tone to it. It's big. They're not skimping on any of it. The sets are big. Um, and the angles that they shoot creatively as we get towards it and we first reveal Kong where we're shooting it like a diagonal angle to show the the natives up top mm-hmm. to give it scope for how big he is. Little things like that work. <clears throat> but the thing that constantly is, I think, beginning to be overlooked is Faye Ray. She yeah. is the reason for its potency. Now, I constantly hear about Jamie Lee Curtis being the OG scream queen and a, a laundry list of others. Fay Ray is the original screen cream. You're absolutely right. Her performance, it hinges on her reactions, which is ironic that they're doing this on the boat leading up to that, trying to get her to act scared. And then it's a masterclass because I would make the argument that only like Shelley Duvall and The Shining can compete with selling the terror 
on the reaction. And hers is very, very, very realistic for that era. When you're looking back at pre-code, a lot of that stuff's very stagey, and she is unhinged. I yeah. mean, the terror is there, and so you are forced to believe also through her performance along with the special That's effects. That's a very good point. And it's just that. this wonderful intersection. And then the rest of the movie's house money because the audience is in the palm after that, Yeah, which is not a, a intended pun because of Kong, but <laughs> from there you get into adventures and a lot of twists and turns where they keep ratcheting it up, which is what makes it such a fun movie. Something else that's interesting, and I'll let you guys chime in on other stuff after this, but I want to make sure I mention it is this was edited heavily when the code went into effect the following year. So a lot of the things that we see in this movie now, people only saw when it came out and then it disappeared until the sixties and the resurgence mm. with monster kids, the overture, the grand nature of the movie, that was all not there. Mm. Um, the, some of the creatures, like the one out in the water, pulling the guy out, flailing him, that wasn't in there. So there's a lot of stuff that even added this mystique to it in the sixties where kids got to have seen the one before and then get to see all this more explicit material that kind of gave it this permanent forbidden allure Mm -hmm. uh, over the years that I think's kind of just stayed attached to it, even though we've been able to see that version for decades now. Yeah. I don't know how many times I've seen this version. A lot. Uh, I've seen a lot. And before this past viewing, the last time I saw it was with uh, Hot Toddy and the Professor. That's the last, last movie. thing. It's yep. the last movie I've seen in a the theater. That was March of last year. Yep. And that was an experience, <laughs> too, because I had never seen it. Where on we, a big screen before. Where we shame the guy wearing gloves. Yeah, we're mask. making fun of the guy wearing gloves <laughs> and the mask. You're so scared when you just stay home. Yeah, in fairness to, to us with listeners, things hadn't even <laughs> really got going yet. Yeah. But it was a unique experience seeing King Kong on the big screen in a slippery seat that had been disinfected. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was an interesting afternoon, but it was a lot of fun. It didn't lose anything being on the big screen either. No, like, it's even better. It was even better. It's even grand. more epic. I kind of kept thinking when when we saw it, the, some of the things that you had touched on were uh, just trying to imagine like a movie audience member um, when this first came out. But uh, when I was looking for, for dates and stuff for these movies, I saw I, on IMDb, um, and I don't know how true it is because, you know, anybody can add that Faye Ray was told that um, she didn't really have a script for the movie. It was told that she, her co-star was going to be very tall and dark and good looking or something like that. And she was like Clark Gable. <laughs> so that's how they sold her to be in the movie. Same years. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, yeah, I, I kind of was like digging into the, uh, I'm trying to remember the first time I ever realized that there was stuff edited out of King Kong and it might've been, maybe not, it may even be prior to, uh, DVD, maybe like a VHS copy where, um, like some of the studios like Anchor Bay and stuff where they were putting things out. But I guess to me, I've always just watched this version. So I didn't realize that there was actually like, I think of Friday the 13th that we scenes that we still can't get because they were so heavily censored and explicit. And um, I think most of these was just things that uh, I think there's one where Kong picks up a woman and uh, he thinks it's her, and it's not, and so he just flails her. And yeah, that, I love that scene when he's like climbing the building, and he thinks he sees her, and he reaches and grabs <laughs> her, and he's like, "That's not her," and just tosses her. Uh, <laughs> I, think he, I think he steps on a couple of the natives. Yep. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll be honest too, like I, I think I kind of thought of it a few things in the 
because because a couple episodes ago we did the documentaries. Mm-hmm. So definitely after because I've I've heard the King Kong theory before, and kind of like Vinny, where it's like, well, I just don't, you know. I mean, it's their perspective. So um, after hearing like more in depth in the um, the horror uh, noir uh, documentary, because I guess I hadn't heard the whole full theory and re-watching it since watching that and real recently uh, on top of each other oh, I was like man this movie is so racist <laughs> but down to where they have this really you know attractive probably like a princess of their tribe where they just basically boot her off uh, to put the white woman to give to uh, to Kong and uh, and even the idea of you know like uh, what's the what's the clan movie the birth of a nation I know Birth of a Nation, like, that actually got people on board with KKK because uh, it's kind of sold as this is what they're going to do to the white women. We need to protect them. I guess I never really thought about it. And then I had, I was not familiar with Son of Kong, and I looked up just a brief what it's about, and it's like King Kong's white son. I was like, holy fuck. <laughs> <clears throat> I really like all the additional creatures in this. Uh, the special effect. All, in some cases, the special effects on some of the additional creatures look better than Kong. Like that Stegosaurus that they encounter at first. That one's pretty sweet. Yeah, I'm like, dang, they, 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 as you said, they spared no expense, right? Yeah. They, they went all out. They left the artists alone. Yeah. They and let him do it. You get a, you get Stegosaurus, you get Brontosaurus, you get <laughs> T-Rex, you get Plesiosaur, you get a Pterodactyl. Like, you get all sorts of these kind of lost world sort of dinosaurs. Plesiosaurus? Yeah. That's what the Loch Ness Monster is. <laughs> Read a book. Gosh. <laughs> um, sounds, sounds perverted. <laughs> <laughs> is that going to be your new grinder name? <laughs> Plesiosaurus. <laughs> 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 I know it's not already. <laughs> oh, I'm never going to think of the plesiosaur again the same way. Um, I wish everybody could was, see was, just how tickled you got over that. I was thinking of using the show my sack, but I like yours better. <laughs> oh boy, I got to rein this in here. Uh, <laughs> got me tickled. Uh, one last thing that I want to add is I just really enjoy um, that. You know, you get that famous scene where he he shakes the log that oh, they're, yeah. they're all hanging out on, and like you're like, whoa, I don't like that. That's scary. <laughs> yeah. And I really appreciate that each retelling of this includes that, like yeah. the '76 version, the Peter Jackson version. They all kept the log shake because it's it's an important scene, especially again from a special effects perspective. Yeah. yeah, on how they did that. So that's a really great scene, and I just I just really appreciate that they kept that. And, future retellings definitely and it's a, another great example of incorporating the real people with the effects yes they find so many creative ways to do that and that continually keeps you invested in what you're watching because any other movie all the humans would have been animated too yeah it just stop motion and not look real it just looked like down. mr bill claymation yeah. like oh no <laughs> <laughs> so uh how about that ending man like it's and you can say the same thing for each each special effect that's used for its time with with the subsequent retellings of this. And I got a bone to pick with the ending too. I'm going to talk about. But it is a such a bummer ending, like the bummerest of endings. Like he's just a big dumb animal, folks. And so he climbs the Empire State Building, which how iconic is that in and of itself? And then. 
we all know the story. He's up there, and, and then here come the the fighter planes firing Which, off machine guns at him as he's swatting <laughs> them and shooting down off the top of it in that wide shot where he's falling all the way down and hits the ground. And then it's such a bummer, and then Carl ends it being the biggest douche in movie history to that point. Which is my bone to pick when he talks about what killed yeah, was beauty what killed the it's like, beast? No, it was you, bitch. It's like no, you. And you, then they're like the, the end. Yeah. It's like that son of a bitch. And I'm gonna be honest. For like the last month, I've been workshopping how to make the joke. Denim didn't damn near kill him. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing was landing. So that's the version. It's me just throwing out the, the genesis of it. But yeah, they didn't skimp again. Aerial fights were huge back then. Wings was not that long before in the silent era. People loved them. There had been numerous movies made. So even there, they're going out with a new whole section of the film that's yeah. satisfying audiences. You've had all these different adventures through there. So it's iconic. It's wonderful the way they do it. But yeah, that has, even since I was a kid, it's bucked me with that line. It's like, you son of a bitch, yeah, you plucked like, him from his life. Yeah. And it's an idea that we've explored in society and in film for a very long time, which is that we ruin everything. Yeah. We exploit something and destroy it. Yep. And this is no different. But yeah, the guy doesn't even have the self-awareness to realize you're the reason. <laughs> yeah. It was beauty that killed the beast. See? <laughs> yeah, I also want to talk to the mayor and understand logistically what the plan was. <laughs> Shoot down this big ass creature on top of a skyscraper and let him land where he does. How many how many poor migrant workers were murdered in New York City that day <laughs> yeah. by stray bullets? Could you imagine being in the audience though when the when he first starts to break loose? Oh man. Oh. And that's another thing that's great in every iteration of this. I agree. They find different They find a different world. way to do it and yeah, that one especially cuz in the 30s, when you're going, well, when we went saw it, you that scene is different when you're sitting in those movie theater seats, auditorium style seats, and almost gives you. Can you imagine the panic you would feel if you went to go and say, even if it was, say, it was a normal sized gorilla, mm-hmm. and you were in a high school gymnasium at some shitty little circus yeah. that came through? Oh yeah, and all of a sudden this thing rips its chains <laughs> and heads out. In I mean, ugh, uh, terrifying. Uh, yeah, when that first shackle broke, mm, I would have shit a little. Oh, might have just died right completely down my legs. Yeah, uh, yeah, I love that. The first time I went to New York City, I it was about this time five years ago. It was my birthday. We had just done Korean karaoke. We were at a Korean karaoke bar all night. It's like three in the morning, and we go get some food truck chili dogs. Is not the plot of the night before. <laughs> <laughs> and and. You know, I, bit by bit, I've been seeing famous stuff around New York. But here I am, 3 a.m., eating a chili dog, sucking on a chili dog <laughs> outside the Tasty Freeze. And I look up, and I'm like, where's the Empire State Building? King Kong climbed that. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was factual history. <clears throat> well, and because and for me as a kid, Empire State Building was a reference to a little kid's brain, that was something that was really big. Yeah. It was a, that's taller than the Empire State, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that was always a go-to as a kid. Even though as kids, the Sears Tower had already been built. Like, <laughs> But it was probably because it was such a pop 
right. pop icon because of this movie. Right. Absolutely. Um, are you going to talk about another thing you did in New York or later? Oh, yeah. No, I'll bring that up now. Because um, when I was watching this, I, you know, King Kong gets a hold of that, the subway car, L train car. And um, I was like, oh, man, I've been on one of those. And I couldn't quite figure it out because you don't get a great enough glimpse of it. But I've, only, I've been to New York City twice. And I, I only went, like, I was in my mid-30s the first time I went, you know. And I was terrified of the subway because I didn't think I would be able to figure it out. <laughs> and then someone just showed me you just use Google Maps. And... Yeah, it's a lot easier now. It used to be tough. Yeah. And so I instantly fell in love with the subway. I thought it was one of the most magical things I'd ever seen, how you can pop in, get on a train in Central Park, and pop out in Coney Island. You know what I mean? Well, no, those are different islands. But anyways... <laughs> Make a few stops. But I, I was so mystified. Do not ask this man for directions. <laughs> I got so lost one time a New Yorker said, just follow me and just get off where I get off. <laughs> he was getting ready to stab him and he felt sorry for him. He felt yeah, sorry I was going to say, a New Yorker said that to <laughs> Hey, listen, it's the tourists that are rude. New he said, Yorkers, get, he said get on true. the fucking train. Follow me. <laughs> the fucking rube. <laughs> yeah. Philly is way more rude. I was way. wearing I was wearing overalls in the song. So anyways, where this is going is that I literally in my office, and I've got two offices. In one of my offices, Ooh, I have bragger. I have a, a poster of the New York City subway system, because I'm just that much of a nerd. And I've been to the New York Public Transit Museum, and there they have all the old retired subway cars from all the different eras, and you can get on them and check them out. And I was as I was watching Kong, I was like I've been on one of those train cars before, and I got real excited. And that's my story, and then I found $5. Now, when you got... <laughs> that's wait, all, $5? That's why this is an amazing story to me. So, <laughs> we'll come back to that. Um, so, when you saw the Empire State Building and you were looking up, did you fall off a turnip truck when... Because <laughs> you said the bibs, I didn't know if this all goes together. <laughs> and then Just, I gave a speech about these grapes of wrath. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just uh, while you're talking about wings, I was like, you know, uh, they never mention. Usually, they talk about films being nominated, or whatever. So I just looked up, did King, did King Kong win any awards? And it did. It won TV Land Best Movie to Watch at the Drive-In Awards. <laughs> <laughs> but also because I was like, well, it's weird. It wouldn't. I guess special effects. I really doubt was an, uh, a nominee or like a any category. A uh, also, though, the score... Apparently, it wasn't until Rick Baker, was it? I believe that. I was going to say, too, because uh, of the score, uh, apparently King Kong is like the first movie to use a giant score like that. So Yeah, with the overture. It, it was big time. Yeah. RKO. Short-lived, too. They'd start disrespecting the genre basically right after the success. <laughs> yeah, They're yeah. like, hey, this went great. Within, let's not ever give it to him again. Within the calendar year. Yeah. Let's, let's, if we want to get into that. All right. Anything else to say on the OG? For anyone interested in looking at older movies uh, for the horror genre outside of Universal, this is a great starter. I say it's even outside the horror genre. I say if you are a a fan of film. I was going to say, if you're a a film lover, this this should be You have to watch it. Yep. Okay. Tom, what's next? Next, which um, Son of Kong and oddly... 1933. <laughs> Same calendar year. Six weeks later. <laughs> also, my God, we're making a killing in the box office. Also directed by Ernest B. Shodasek. <laughs> I'm going to keep going. And uh, returning Robert Armstrong. 
uh, Frank Riker and uh, newcomer Helen Mack. Helen Mack. And I think there might have been a other smaller scary. characters, but I didn't want to... Because uh, we didn't mention any of the small characters of the film, uh, <laughs> like the cook and other uh, uh, racist <laughs> characters. I want the record to show that Todd is doing the best he can on that. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't. <laughs> I like the Grizz is quietly looking to protect us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, shade, shade, shade sack. The the Jeopardy judges off to the side. (laughs) It's either showed or shaved. (laughs) So uh, let's hit the brief synopsis here uh, before I start gushing over how cute. Kong's, Car- Kong's mentally challenged son. Oh dear. Carl Denham has, uh, is being sued by everybody in the aftermath of Kong's rampage. And that's what he gets. And, and that is what he gets. It's also awesome because it's one of the rare times in, throughout all of movies where there's actually fallout from everybody. I was going to say, sports I actually, I, I've never seen this until just now. I actually thought that was cool that... Because I think Marvel's done it a couple times now, but yeah, usually Superman fucks up the entire world, and then the next movie, everything, they're like, well, thanks for saving me, Superman, you, you ruined my home. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Carl Dem has been sued by everybody and their brother. He's completely ruined uh, with, with this whole Kong thing that he pulled in the original movie. So, and I'm trying to think, he ends up... Is he heading back to Skull Island? Is that, I can't yeah, remember. you could say financially it damn near killed him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's he's fleeing. They go out looking to get involved um, with cargo around the world, trying to survive off that, and that's not going well. And so then they go for treasure back at Skull Island. Back at Skull Island. Cause the As first if he hasn't raped the land enough. <laughs> yeah, the first experience was so good. Let's go back and tempt the hands of fate. They find his old drunk buddy who's like, I've got a map to treasure. <laughs> you know, uh, they took Kong, they destroyed Kong, killed him. They're like, we should go back and wreck where he came from. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Another classic American tale. <laughs> so to, to really uh, boil it down, uh, they end up fi- finding Kong's son. Was this before the Carnies? Yeah, because there's like a... a a mutiny on the <laughs> ship where they seize control of the ship they're on and, and land back at Skull Island. And they send people out into lifeboats, and I think that's to fill the runtime. <laughs> yeah, well, to get it up to sixty-four yeah. minutes. The, the runtime is an hour and ten minutes. Yeah, uh, and it's an hour shorter than the original. And I thought to myself, "Wow, how can they put out a stop-motion film? A, a film that has so much stop-motion." within the same calendar year, especially when this was still an early art form. And the answer is because it's 69 minutes into the, or it's 40 minutes into a 69 movie before you see any stop motion. You see the son of Kong. So he, he's smaller. He's white. I just thought it was the lighting. I really didn't grasp. Yeah, it's, it's, it's supposed to have a white or gray fur. But yeah, uh, this movie is not good, folks. Like, it's what? Not, I'm going to argue a little bit. On yeah, this. I'll push back. It's not a good movie. It's still Willis O'Brien. It is. It still delivers on the thrills from the point that we get to for a movie that came out the same year. This, I think, the screenwriter. I wrote it down. Uh, 
Ruth Rose said, if you can't make it bigger, make it funnier. And so with the quick turnaround time, I feel like they still deliver I'm on sure some of what, because quoted. Kong's gone. <laughs> so to, to recreate that again, I feel like I missed something funny, but <laughs> they can't recreate that. So I feel like they're at least leaning into the island a little bit. And if they just try and do Kong again, it's going to be stupid. Well, that's the thing. You can't do Kong again. Right. And that, so, like, especially within the same calendar year. I, right. So that's my point, though. The cards. Give him an artificial heart. Like, <laughs> the cards that get they're dealt, I feel like, without it being too involved of a runtime, still gives it's, you. But what it you is want. an enormous step down. Sure. An no, it's not as good. Enormous step down. I don't think anybody would argue no. that. No. I think that's what's weird is that it's the same year and, and obviously the same team ish. Uh, but yeah, the quality. the quality drops. You know, I I read that one of the other ideas for the sequel was that Fay Ray's character would be in like this asylum with other like teenage <laughs> kids, and they would this be having good. these nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was some bullshit coming. I could read it. I just tried to keep a straight face. <laughs> Okay. But hey, at least there's some uh, some redemption for Denim I, in this one. I mean, the character of Denim does redeem himself, although he still kills his kid. Spoiler: Yeah, Kong's only son spends his life to save this piece of shit who yeah. killed his dad. But he apologized to him. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He saves them. They uh, get the treasure. They destroy the island. I'm going to re-edit that uh, to be the intro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Todd, because you you were the first to bring it up, please tell me any notes that you have on the carnies, because I've got some good. Yeah, I was like, you just skipped over the carnies. <laughs> All right, which I was because that's the other returning guy, right? Is uh, is Robert Armstrong and then the uh, the Asian guy? Well, he was back. They they brought brought back. Yeah, they brought back some yellow face. It seems, <laughs> Lord have mercy. Uh, what about when they get to the island where the, the carnies are, and we are immediately treated to a ten-minute monkey musical interlude? <laughs> Which again, Vinny should be loving this. <laughs> like it goes on an awkwardly long time. Those monkeys playing the instruments and looking around. At each <laughs> it's like, hey, you know, come for the movie, stay for the little carnival in the middle. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. I was all in. Listen, the reason I'll defend this movie is because the son of Kong is freaking adorable. All right? He's cute. He makes little cute noises. He plays with them. It's Listen, if they had drive throughs back then, it would have been a toy. <laughs> son of Kong is adorable. Oh, yes. And here's the thing. I never know what to expect on this podcast that <laughs> Vinny isn't a big fan Robert's loving on it. I don't know. Vin, I own it, and I've watched Vin, it several times. Vin, yeah. It just doesn't stack up. Vinny doesn't like the monkey movie. Todd doesn't like the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> but Robert's looking for McDonald toys. <laughs> uh, I really like the line in it. That was one thing I forgot to say about the first movie. The script writing was impeccable in the first film as well. Yes. I mean, a lot of memorable lines. But I love the line in this movie where it's after the carnies have got drunk and set their tent <laughs> on fire. But you'll have that. As you do. <laughs> She's out trying to capture the, same, the 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 music playing monkeys. All of these things this, are a Tuesday. After her dad's killed. Yes. And she's trying to catch him. And he's like, oh, you're never going to catch him like that. She's like, why? You ever caught a monkey? And he goes, lady, you'd be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I will say uh, I, I did giggle a little bit, including the first movie. The first movie especially. And I think that people did it in the theater when we saw it. 
Because there are some lines that now where he's just like talking about how a woman shouldn't be on the boat, basically how dumb women are. And, uh, but I was also leading on to that. I was surprised that a woman wrote this and that she's acknowledged because that I'm sure a lot of women were involved. Um, in fact, I still have the book to read that you suggested about Creature from the Black Lagoon. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Where it was a female that created it, and they were like, was it one of the West Moors that stole credit for it? Mm-hmm. You know, women can't think. Um, but last but not least, introduce some new creatures in this one. We get a Triceratops. Yes. And a giant bear and son of Kong does jujitsu. <laughs> should be on Grinder. Triceratops. <laughs> Please be sorry. <laughs> King Kong, or son of Kong, does jujitsu <laughs> on this bear. Like he's throwing leg locks, uh, know arm bars. This movie, it's like a Chuck Norris. Film. <laughs> he's trying to get some rear naked what jokes if, on what this if bear. Chuck Norris remakes son of Kong. <laughs> Only if he's in the sun. Because nobody wants to see him kill that adorable little guy. <laughs> what if he is the white ape? <laughs> I bet that's his new Twitter handle. <laughs> okay, so. Um, yeah, that that's a good sequence. So I guess in closing for this one, I would just say clearly an inferior movie yes. to the first one, but you still get a bunch more dinosaurs. Cute as hell. I'm there for it. <laughs> and surprise, surprise, there really was a treasure. The drunk dude was just trying to get him to take him there because he was drunk and needed some place to go. <laughs> and he lied about a treasure. So try being an Uber driver. <laughs> okay. All right. Toddy, what's up next? I, I guess we should include. Uh, I did not get to watch these movies, so I'll let you guys discuss. But uh, uh, the next round of remakes is King Kong versus Godzilla, 1963, and King Kong Escapes, 1967. I, so I think just a brief mention. Oh, yeah, brief mention. These, these were not required watches for everybody <laughs> on the podcast. This was bonus material. I don't think of these as canon. Like, they're just they're part of that world if you want them. And, King Kong versus Godzilla has the appeal because King Kong versus Godzilla was the Frankenstein meets the Wolfman of its generation. Yeah, there was an entire generation yeah. that that was that was the big face off. And as a kid, it's fun to watch. I even <laughs> pop it in now and again for other. I enjoy it, but not for the same reasons. Anymore? Does it get you worked up? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, this is the best King Kong looks in any of the movies. <laughs> it's certainly the most erotic. <laughs> but, like, they invent these electrical powers for Kong. Uh, Kong is suddenly... Why did I not watch these? Yeah, Kong the, is suddenly well, ginormous. The verses is very misleading. There's a lot of sex in this. I <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, the thing that kind of turned turned me off from it was that, just like the first two films, it takes forever to get to King Kong or Godzilla. Oh, yeah. Forever. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, this plot is not strong enough to carry me through. That's my complaint with every Godzilla movie ever made, is I came here to watch a giant lizard (laughs) destroy everything. Yeah. Please stop giving me storylines, especially when you get into Godzilla and it's the, the... shrunken Asian twins. It's like, what the fuck well, is even going on here right now? And this is why Mr. Big Burt Gordon carved out his niche. Because he knew that when he made his movies. He's like, 
just tape some fins to this lizard and have them whip each other's ass. <laughs> yes. I mean, usually ten minutes into the movie. So while I do get some enjoyment out of King Kong versus Godzilla because of what it is and what it was for its time period, uh, and I've also heard rumor that these were not even like the when they got these done, they didn't really have the license to do anything with King Kong. I can't substantiate that, but that is something I've long heard. Uh, and then. Do you guys want to comment on before I move? We talked, mention the next one. No, I would just a blanket statement for me is that there's a charm in their existence. If, if you're into the Godzilla movies and King yeah. Kong movies, I'm glad they exist. They're fun to go back and watch once in a while, but they're not the same. They never aim to have the serious top shelf thrills that the American. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna venture to say that if you are a Godzilla fan first, you're going to enjoy these Toho. I was going to yes. say, Kong. aren't these more like a Godzilla film? Yes, but King if you're Kong. a King Kong fan, I think you're going to be less inclined to enjoy these. Bingo, right. Uh, so King Kong Escapes is another Toho. Rankin Bass has actually mm-hmm. put these out, strangely enough, which Doctor Who, no, not that Doctor Who, this Doctor <laughs> Who that's in uh, King Kong Escapes is voiced by the same guy who did the voice of the Burger Meister Meister Burger and <laughs> Santa Claus has come to town, Rankin Bass. Uh, but it's it's King Kong versus a giant robot King Kong. I mean, it's the Godzilla formula through and through. Uh, the, the the costume may even be worse in King Kong Escapes than it was in King Kong versus Godzilla. Again, I own it on Blu-ray, uh, mostly <laughs> because I'm a completist. I just bought it for the, this last time around. Oh, I like that you can admit that, and I'm shamed all the time. <laughs> <laughs> the shame you feel is self-imposed, Todd. Liberate yourself. So, uh, like I say, if you're a Godzilla fan, you're going to be more inclined to enjoy these than if you're a King Kong fan going to enjoy these. Okay. All right, Todd, what's officially next? What some say is the greatest. King Kong 1976. Did you say what one say? <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to make him feel better. <laughs> Gas it up. <laughs> Directed by John Giller, Gillerman and starring a very young, hippie-ish Jeff Bridges. I believe Jessica Lang in her first film role. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charles Grodin. And <laughs> directed by Dino De Laurentiis, which I have fun watching both movies, just picturing... Some Italian guy like, no, we need more, more of this, more of this. <laughs> uh, since I am the super fan, may I give, give the synopsis? Get at it, boy. Get at it. <laughs> so, <all> me. <laughs> in the grand scheme of things, similar setup as the original Colony Bill. Eight years to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> the only difference is, is they are not going to the island to make a film. They are going to the island. To look for oil, because, come on, baby, oil's big right now. we got to go get uh, that you're oil. You're talking the 70s, like, it, Dallas was number one. I <laughs> think that that was a, I personally think that was a nice modern update yeah. for the story. Absolutely. Hippies that sold out to yuppies in no time. <clears throat> yep, absolutely. So, they're on an oil ship going to find this uncharted island, as as we've done before, and they find a stowaway on the ship. Well, the stowaway is actually the dude. The dude, <laughs> man. And he literally... This was like a prequel, I think. <laughs> yeah, he literally has the same hair and beard that he has in The Big Lebowski. And I bet the Coen brothers were like, hey, man, just channel your character from <laughs> Kong 76. It's like, you remember when you had those ups and downs in King Kong? Let's get this going again. <laughs> yeah. So he's on there because he 
he works for Princeton and he thinks that there's some big critter on this island and he wants to go and, and figure this and out. And he doesn't like the oil stuff because right. he feels like that aggression will not stand. Will not stand, man. Um, <laughs> and so now we've got to figure out how to get uh, our, our blonde lady on the boat, right? Because we're not taking an actress. And so we find a blonde woman lost at sea. <laughs> Well, lost mom, at sea and clearly on ecstasy. Her, her, <laughs> she's on X. She only she's survived because hard. she didn't want a part of the orgy as they were watching Deep Throat. That's really in the movie. So she went upstairs because she wanted to exit Deep Throat, and uh, boom, the boat exploded because I guess the driver's on ecstasy too. She's going to sleep on this raft. Ah! He would uh, like more of Hot Toddy's fan fiction. Subscribe to his only fans. <laughs> Um. <laughs> uh, man, and I just want to say, what a fantastic decision in each of these basic Kong stories to, A, take the actress ashore immediately. Boy, there's some weird-looking stuff up there. Yeah, weird-looking stuff. Come on, honey, let's go ashore. <laughs> Same thing with this lady who has nothing to do with the oil mission or the, like, I want to go on shore. No, nah, we shouldn't do that. That's her eyes. Well, come on. We got room for you. Oh, you got booty shorts on? That's a different story. No offense. When I got rescued, the way those guys are looking at her, I would have been like, just put me back in the water. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She looked like a shark tank. It, be it, it shark cannot tank be understated is. how beautiful she is in this movie. Yeah. Like, she is striking. Yeah. Um, I'm getting kind of creepy right now. So <laughs> you go back. Go right ahead. We know why he watches American Horror Story. So there's there's the setup for how we get there this time. I, I think they do another great job with giving the scope of what the the tribe looks like and the wall and everything like that. I think they did that and, well again. And I don't think that we've touched on either because I'm used to Charles Grodin like Beethoven and like yeah. kind of like goofy, funny. I used to him being a total douchebag. And totally overacting in this. Charles Grodin, totally He's always been known for being pretty reserved with his acting. <laughs> and Beethoven. Don't, don't you talk bad about Don't you Beethoven. besmirch Beethoven in this house, sir. <laughs> Surprising where he lands sometimes. You guys just want to cover the Beethoven movie real quick? A side franchise? <laughs> oh, shoot. Uh, any... Yeah, take it from here. Uh, so that's just that's, that's the basic difference. Yeah, we'll get that, into some that's stuff the, at the, the end. The major changes that they made to the beginning to take it out of the Hollywood setting and put it in a more 1970s, but then basically your story unfolds the same way I did from it. there. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> this movie, for me, the appeal to me is, again, special, <laughs> special effects because it's a, it's a different angle of special effects, and that's what I also think is charming about the series, if you want to call it a series as a whole, is the different technologies that are used. And we saw how not to do man in a suit in the Toho pictures. <laughs> and so then we get to see in this one how to do a man in a suit with the, with Rick Baker, not only building the costume, but also performing as Kong. And I think we should straight yeah, away... And then being rewarded at the end. Yeah. Let's <laughs> get into this straight away where... Uh, the bullshit line that was fed by the studio to the public was that Kong was going to be a robot. 
There wasn't going to be a man in a suit. It was going to be entirely mechanical. And that's how they sold it to everybody. But when it came time to bring those things out, they had Rick Baker working on his suit for for some shots. <laughs> and when it came down to it, the giant ape robot couldn't do a goddamn thing. Couldn't do anything. It officially, I think, has, is it four seconds of screen time in the movie? Yeah. Is that where it killed four people? It's the one where it's... <laughs> no, the, actually, the robot. It's the one where it's where they bring him out and he's in the cage with the crown on his head. Yes. And it looks awful. It does. And in the four seconds it's on screen, it looks terrible. So Rick Baker performs this whole thing, and <laughs> this kills me every time. It, you know, like, animates like a Transformer. It's like... <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, it's so uh-huh. bad. And then at the end of the movie, the whole screen fills and says... The producer wishes to acknowledge that Kong has been designed and engineered by Carlo Rambaldi, constructed by Carlo Rambaldi and Glenn Robinson, with special contributions by Rick Baker. And then, you know, they didn't know it at the time, but they're going to invent an award for him here in a few years because he's so much better. Uh, Here's the thing. Some listeners may be familiar with Bob Burns. He's like the ultimate monster kid. He yes. actually has one of the original Kong models yes, from the original movie. Just the apparatus because the, yeah. the phone all is right. He's interacted with these people over the years in ways that it's just hard to wrap your mind around. And it's never been him stalking people. Just lucky. His career has always navigated him around. And so I remember listening to him on a podcast recently where uh, Carlo Rimbaldi was brought up at one point. And I think about this movie and his response was, he goes, I'm not convinced that guy could tie his own shoes. So <laughs> here's the thing. He was very good with design, not with execution. Uh, he was involved with the werewolf and silver bullet, uh, which had all kinds of problems, but his design got it there. I think he was involved some with alien, but again, his execution in frame problematic frequently and i think it was probably big time with this and his ego was being stroked there at the end of and it's just fitting that the guy who wasn't behaving like that went on to be arguably the greatest of all time bob burns was a uh ape suit actor yeah he's like the go-to ape suit actor in hollywood for a very long time yeah so yeah rick baker builds these heads that can give different expressions like for instance the one where he's got jessica lang in his hand and he's blowing on her Oh, that's such a and weird the scene. cheeks are puffing out like it's kind of weird looking, but it's pretty goddamn creative. Yeah, it works better too if you take your shirt off. For that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kong gets a little handsy in this movie. Well, he gives Jessica Lang a blowjob, as mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "What is he? Oh God! All right, all right, that's accurate. Please me, sore me." <laughs> uh, yeah, this is the so thing. Rick, Rick the thing I was playing the whole time in the suit. I believe so because there may be very few. I shots will say this: them. this I, I love hate this movie because I'm like this looks really good, and you can't fault. Like I'm just thinking, man, you didn't have uh, Andy's circus or whatever, uh, you know, in an mm-hmm. ape suit. Every time though, I'm like, well, that didn't that looked pretty decent. And then I'm like, is Kong Jive walking away? Like, what is? Ha- I was waiting for like electronic. Breakdance music to start. <laughs> Rick Baker was also a little peeved because he wanted to do a more anatomically accurate gorilla, which he fought, later got to do in Mighty Joe Young, the remake. But they wanted a more ape man, upright gorilla than what oh, he I was like, wanted so he wanted to like a, 
two story dong or <laughs> yes that that's the that's the thing I have to question about Kong in this whole movie is do he think his wiener can fit? Well, because he's got this woman this is, involved in his hand, he's getting a little this weird. Is, about uh, it. 76, this is, I think, a few years away from what's the weird ass Tarzan movie? With Bo Derek. Bo Derek and her husband directed it, and yeah. she's just screwing Tarzan the whole movie. Huh. Didn't know about that one. Oh, oh yeah. Said uh, said on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> um, you have a thing for uh, you just pictured her getting her leg ate off, didn't you? Organ baby. Mm. Mm. Uh, Pauline Kale. Famous critic wrote that this was a, an absurdist love story. She liked it. She was one of uh, one of the more kind critics to it, um, and oh, like which leads me to I think my biggest complaint with this movie is I feel like it focuses more on drama and romance more than the original than it does a, a kind of a high octane thrill ride, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's what bogs it down. And so, in fairness. I think that I was piggybacking another generation's opinion of this movie. I'm just being honest here. Mm-hmm. Upon watching this, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. I hadn't seen this since I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, if I'm not mistaken, this was aired over two nights when it was shown on TV. Yes. Because that was an event. Mm-hmm. And I remember being a little kid watching it. And I loved it. Yeah. Like, I loved it. And I, so I've always carried that with me. I... I still prefer the original, but I Same. think this one is absolutely great too. Well, and this goes back all the way to the beginning of this podcast when we talked about remakes and what constitutes a remake. I feel like they didn't lean into advancements enough in the years since the original was made to wow people more with this. It's still it's a much more entertaining movie than it gets credit for. People really like to rip on some of the the malfunctions and inadequacies uh, with things that didn't necessarily land the best, but I really, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Um, and I think largely in part to uh, my creepiness for Lang as well as Jeff Bridges' studying presence. I thought he really helped this movie with with just kind of his calm demeanor through it. So you think it's better than Metal Slugger's preview of the film, which I just noticed too that it says banned underneath him. But uh, it headlines, King Kong 1976 sucks shit. <laughs> <laughs> Holy Jesus, is this movie terrible? The special effects look like shit. LOL at the robot hand in the terrible gorilla suit. The pacing is slow as fuck. I'm starting to wonder if we know who wrote this. Uh, the dialogue is beyond cringy and meta in the worst possible way. Does he know what meta means? Says the review with LOL in it. So... <laughs> We want to get into you the later stuff. Of the movie. Did that? Uh, I would like to get into that the movie was two hours and fourteen minutes long. Yeah, and, and the TV cut. Yeah, ten or twenty minutes longer. Uh, Fifty-three minutes in before you see Kong. Fifty-three. It's the constant. I think there's a lot of good and bad because I, I think that there was some cool, st- as weird as as weird as him blowing on her. They was still. I mean, something cool they the original. Thought, yeah. 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 So, uh, even the hand, like the hand, I don't think was laughable. I'm like, man, that's just. No, I didn't think it was Because, you know, uh, movies around the same time, I, mean, I love, um, this is a couple years before Superman. I love Superman. I mean, Superman's flying uh, with a blue screen or green screen yeah. behind him. They could have done that with the Kong hand. Clearly, that was, you know, that was pretty cool. There was some cool stuff. I think so, too. I think there was still some innovative stuff that was done with the special effects in this movie. And uh, I will say, because uh, I I think I've 
I might have seen this before the original Kong, because I probably saw it as a kid on TV, but I don't remember the whole movie. And it was definitely the first time I got to um, that. It's the Twin Towers. Yeah, so yes. it's definitely a little which had been open, I think, three years, maybe. I mean, they were, they were new, so that would have been even more exciting at the time. Mm-hmm. And a big thing that it's missing is you get none of that fantasy stuff on the island yeah. that you got in the original, and you don't get Kong fighting anything but that big, awful <laughs> that snake. snake. Stinker. Just yeah. a stinker. That's what Rambaldi wanted the contributions to be known for, probably. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's the same kind of three-act structure. Before Island, Island, After Island in New York. Do, is there anything we want to hit on on the island other than that snake? Before we um, jump into New York stuff? I think this is where I was talking about earlier, though, where they legit... Because I kind of wanted to see that she just got... Because it looked like they were just going to use a, a catapult and just throw her out. <laughs> but, but again, they definitely were like, get off, you ugly bitch, to his daughter. And let's throw this white woman... On the on the catapult, <laughs> I like the barrels of chloroform. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to hit him with the wall looked great. Yeah, like mm-hmm. that. But but somehow Kong coming through that didn't quite have the same impact for me that that scene, famous scene in the original does, where he comes through that gate. Somehow that original is just still more powerful. The original tended to fill the frame more with him. Yeah, I think, which helped. Grizz, wax, sell, sell listeners on this movie. You've got the vinyl sitting next to you in the record. You're on, like, ultra nerd mode. This, <laughs> you, this you, is your time you to shine. you clearly spent more than $10 on this film. <laughs> I have. I've invested you shine. quite a bit of this film. Um, it, it's purely nostalgic for me. I mean, this as you as I, I saw this way before I ever saw the original, especially the original in its entirety. <laughs> you know what I mean? This, this is my King Kong. And partially part of that is because of the poster, man. This was like such an iconic poster. Mm -hmm. I'm holding up the poster right now. Uh, But him standing on top of the World Trade Center. Do you notice what's in the background? The Empire State Building. Trying to show you that this is bigger, right? This is is a bigger film because these are bigger buildings (laughs) and he's on top of it. This ain't your Papaw's King Kong. Exactly, right? And, And they've even got like... Planes that don't even look like real planes on here. <laughs> like, what is that? I, was like, I thought that was a vibrator. Yeah, right. And then this one here, that's not what a real plane And the is. size of Kong on the World Trade Centers as well. Yeah, larger than life. He's not that big. In fact, on the movie, he jumps from one to the other yes. and barely makes it. Well, this, he's straddling both this, of them. This is, this is post-Jaws, uh, though, where everything had to be bigger than, uh, you know, like Kong's Jaws, bigger than Jaws. Jaws. Yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> so I just think it's a lot of fun. It's like <laughs> No, that's I do the awkward because <laughs> I don't know what happened. <laughs> I just said to Orca. No, it's also still for Orca. <laughs> um, you know, so we we get, we get to this big finale, and uh, I like that Kong is actually able to hide in the midst of these skyscrapers <laughs> from the other. The helicopters are looking for him. He's like, oh. I'm going to hide right here. And then I'm going to go wreak havoc again. Um, Psych, dummy. And, and and so we realize that the Twin Towers look like the rock formations on Skull Island. That <laughs> so he that, chills on. Yeah. yeah, that he likes to hang out that's on. His, that's his M. Night Shyamalan on. 
and these dudes start hitting him with flamethrowers. Swing away. <laughs> and I love that the dude uh, <laughs> is over on the other, in another building, like, saying, Quit trying to kill him, you motherfuckers! You <laughs> do, know? What? do Vinny. Do what? Do the You got the... <laughs> Do you have to channel it? I, I, I don't know if I have a quote lined up. Do a quote to, to give it so Quit trying to burn the monkey, man. <laughs> hey, man, there's a beverage here. <laughs> um, but then what I love is that, that Calm jumps from one tower to the other, and he finds a gas, a giant gas tank, and he throws it at the dudes with the flamethrowers, and they explode, and Kong... And Jeff Bridges celebrate in unison. They're like, yeah! <laughs> Kong's got his arms up over his head. Ah! <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But man, I'll tell you, that death of Kong is very graphic. Uh, the use of squibs yes. in this movie. Holy shit. Very gra- Like, Kong is getting decimated. Yeah. And yeah. Is this the one I sent you the video on that I was laughing about? Yes. I okay. So. Yeah, the first two screams are clearly a dude. <laughs> when they start shooting, he's like, oh, oh, and then it turns into more roars. I, I kept rewinding it and giggling at it. So I was like, what the hell was that? But man, he's just getting oh, man, just lit up with machine guns. It's just blood this time it's helicopters after him yeah. instead of planes. Right. Because we've had to update. But yeah, they're shooting these machine guns and it's just squids. Packed full of the most blood you've ever seen. Imagine if this was the first one in the 80s where he would have been, like, they would have took him down because he got addicted to crack. (laughs) (laughs) Have we mentioned the L-Train operator? No. Walt Gorney, Crazy Ralph from Friday the 13th. Oh, nice. Uh, Which also leads me to a real-life experience I would like to share. Uh, In 1987, went to Universal Studios with my dad out in L.A., and the tram ride took you through all kinds of different stuff from the studios. And at one point, they took you indoors where it's all blacked out. And they had a huge Kong. And so it was probably like shoulders up. Yeah. yeah. So it seemed way deeper. But I was five years old. So I wasn't properly in my seat because I was real excited. So I loved King Kong already at that age. And uh, part of the tram ride was that he would knock the cars and they would go sideways. And so it tilts like at 45 degrees. I go flinging out of my seat. I'm grabbing my dad and uncle's legs. I think I'm dead. I think the door's going to pop open and I'm going to go right down into Kong. I was like, ah, like true. This is how I wanted to go. Yes, I was like, well, Kong's taking me. I'm not going to go home. It scared the shit out of me. Uh, When in all reality, I'm sure it was completely safe or they would have made you wear seatbelts on it. But I do have a very personal and vivid memory of a he, full-size King Kong scaring He wasn't five, he was 35, and <laughs> shit his pants. Yes. I'm actually having uh No, go ahead. Uh, one fun fact, when I was back to New York City, I went to the 9-11 Museum, which is not fun, but while I was there, it's, it's worth visiting, folks, seriously, but you're going to cry. Uh, at the end, they have all sorts of memorabilia of what made the World Trade Center iconic. And one of them is this King Kong board game where King Kong climbs up the twin towers and you got to try and stop him. Yeah, at least we got Donkey Kong out of it, you know. Yes. I think um, I know I mentioned to a couple of you that I ate at the restaurant there, but I was like three, so I don't remember it. But my dad still has the menu. 
that he took home, like a to-go thing. Mm. And uh, it says the closest she'll ever get to heaven because it was up on the top of it. Oh, wow. Which is kind of chilling at this point. Yeah. Right. But yeah, interesting that in its history that it was a brand new thing, which I'm sure was pretty exciting to see him stomping around on Mm -hmm. both of it when this came out. But yeah, turned it around for me some. I don't hate it. Good. Yeah, I, I, I always enjoy this one. I like to give Robert a hard time about it, but I do like this one. I, not as much as the original, but I do enjoy this one for other reasons. Yeah. It's, it's enjoyable. Yeah, and rewatching it again, I'm like, boy, this is not a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> but boy, do I love it. <laughs> and think of all the friends we've made along the way. <laughs> <laughs> we've all got our nostalgia loves for movies. I like Children of the Corn Man. I know it's bad. <laughs> Okay, Todd, what's next? Flash forward a decade to King Kong Lives, 1986. The sequel to the 76 (laughs) Kong, 10 years later. Well, they had to really work on it and get a a lot of heart in it. Oh, hey So, uh, returning director, John Gillerman, uh... This one is starring uh, Linda Hamilton, John Ashton, and Brian Kerwin. Um, I had no idea that this was a direct sequel. So as soon as direct, as soon as it picks up, and it has the old school sequel where the beginning's the ending of the last film, uh, because it's like, well, it's called King Kong Lives, but he's dead, as I remember. Yeah, uh, as we said before, (laughs) covered in blood and bullet holes. Then falls off the World Trade Center to the streets below. I think I would have liked it better if they would have went. This is 86, so they could have done like Friday the 13th where he's just back from the grave. But not the scientists in this movie. Oh, boy. So, Kong has been (laughs) in a coma for the last 10 years. (laughs) 10 years! And now his heart is about to give out, so they are preparing to go ahead and do the artificial heart transplant (laughs) surgery. They have built a giant artificial heart to install in King Kong's body. But wait, there's more? He's so tired, Vinny. And his blood ain't strong enough. They don't know if he can survive the operation. They need blood for the operation. And wouldn't it just strangely enough, as coincidence would have it, Another Kong is discovered. What? She-Kong. And it's a female. What? She-Kong is my female rap name, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, it took an entire movie previously that was two hours and 14 minutes long. And we were almost two hours into before they got King Kong off that island. It was such an ordeal. This female one, easy peasy. (laughs) (laughs) This one is here in the States. In no time, baby. And so they... And sold to the highest bidder. So they give King Kong his artificial heart. <laughs> are, Upon, are you going to skip over the, the, the She-Kong titties? <laughs> <laughs> She-Kong do have yitties. And then when Kong wakes up after his surgery... He can smell it in the air. It's horny air. Yeah, he can smell the female (laughs) in the air. A giant ape has been in a coma for 10 long years. What do you think the first thing he's going to want to (laughs) do? I mean, (laughs) this dude wakes up ready to get it on. 
no incision. No incision, Mark. That, no. That's the miracle of modern medicine. Big technology, man. Uh, so he immediately smells the female and starts going ape shit. <laughs> trying to get out, but, it's, but oh, oh, he's too weak. They got to sedate him. They got to sedate him. Uh, eventually, Kong busts loose. And busts loose. <laughs> Such bump set spikes. <laughs> so he, uh, he breaks, he jailbreaks Woman Kong. They go out and have the weirdest on screen romance. Next to Linda Hamilton, who's like hey, turned on by watching them. Don't, don't, don't yuck their yum, man. Like, this is this what they're into. <laughs> More of the kink shame on this show. Yeah. I won't stand for Here's it. Here's the thing. You try living a life with nothing your size to smash and then finally have it. <laughs> I, I was okay with that. But then, like, Linda Hamilton's like, I it was turned it on. Was so a re- a it was a ridiculous courtship between okay. these two apes. Just absurd. Which then, well, I'd say when I was sitting and watching the heart be lifted by Gertie's, uh, yeah, I was just like, "What is so, the and, hell?" And I know what I we, watching? I know what we sound like. We're like watching a movie about a giant gorilla, and all of a sudden we're going, "Up oh, here's where the fiction starts." I was gonna say, "Here's where it switches, though." Is it then because because my note was like, "This should have been Kong first blood." So <laughs> so they they get the female back, and then Kong. Battles it out Godzilla style with the military. And then rednecks. <laughs> yeah. And rednecks. Yeah. Uh, I'm just hitting the basics here and I'm going to wrap it up and then we'll talk about the movies as a whole. So <laughs> I think you've really said that. There's a. You don't face my notes. So he gets. Kong once again gets shot up and is ready to croak, but not before he sees. And the amazingly short gestation period. <laughs> <laughs> that he has not only impregnated Lady Kong, but she's already given birth to it since <laughs> two days ago when they did. And then they're like, "Hold your that. baby up, hold your baby up." And then he sees his baby, and uh, he fades off. So King Kong lives. Allow me to say that the only reason I even have a copy of this is because I found it at a bootleg. Table I got the same one <laughs> at a convention because you cannot find it. Yeah, I think it was. Five dollars. I'm thinking about when conventions get going again. Uh, asking for my money. <laughs> oh man, what a turkey! I remember hearing about this, like seeing a commercial as a kid, and being like, "What?" And I never saw it because I apparently nobody bought the thing, like, and the word had gotten out. So I didn't see this until I was an adult, and then, <laughs> whoo! So it is a stinker. Real quick, Todd. Do you have anything you want to share in this movie before we let the Congo super fan have his <laughs> well, shot at this? Because I, I have say, a feeling he's not enjoying I, our you know, I thought there might have been some time passed, but now that you say it, it might have just been two days. So now it makes me wonder if the Jeff Bridges stand-in, because that's what that dude was, <laughs> if he didn't impregnate Lady Kong. Ooh, that's a Which could question. explain how the prior... Many years ago that Kong has a white baby. He's actually <laughs> the father of John Connor. <laughs> That's the big twist. This well, is, is now. Yeah, this is a Terminator prequel. So I'm sure that you love the uh all the, the Rambo first blood, because uh, at one point he's like in the woods and they're like he's like, I'm just uh I just got out of Vietnam and they're like, Nope. And they're getting ready to like, I don't know, they bury him up to his Head and I don't not sure what they were gonna do with it because they're like you got a pretty mouth boy. Let's let this man 
<laughs> Let's let this man speak. Uh, listen, guys. <laughs> you know I love this movie. <laughs> this was my first time seeing it, clearly. And I never knew it existed. I was like, where has this been in my life? Because this this is this has got midnight movie written all over it. I mean, this is so silly, so ridiculous. That's now in your top ten. Yeah, absolutely. And so if you're if you're looking to unload that DVD bootleg, it's weighing your shelf down. I can find a good home for it because I promise you, that was my first time viewing it. Will not be my last time viewing it. Toddy's got a copy of it. Well, I uh, I'll. I really try to track this down, and uh, I found a really good-looking copy. I was like, man, this is awesome. And I, even the comments were like, what the hell language is this? Because it's, I, don't, I think it's an unheard-of language that it's <laughs> in. Language. And then I found some other weird version of it where at some point it looked okay. At some point their mouths didn't even match. And Ironically, that you don't really need the dialogue. You can watch <laughs> the heart being ran through. Uh, yeah. It's a visual movie. Boy, it's a silly one. Yeah. Linda, Linda Hamilton. Mm. Total babe. Uh, it's a silly movie, and I'm here for it. Totally here for it. The, the gorilla suits are a step back from what Rick Baker had done in the original, uh, the previous movie, I should say. Uh, you did get some bipedal gorilla movement out of the costumes, which I thought was kind of neat. There is some cool stuff with miniatures in this that they're able to pull off. What, uh, what about when he is straight up just smoking alligators? Yeah. <laughs> like, I like that. They're, they're using like the caiman. He will survive. Rubber ones. Yeah, there's not enough food for him to survive. He's just mowing down on alligators. Uh, my favorite is... that was a nod to like Godzilla. Because didn't Godzilla's Revenge or 85, whatever that one was, when they were like Godzilla 85? I don't know. Hmm. Was it? Yeah. Godzilla's made out Because that's why I feel like this is why they were probably like, we got to make a sequel. Because like, I guess it's that's possible because you're right, Godzilla argument. 85 it's was starting. a thing. Timeline's starting. <laughs> Gloves are off. And I like it when Kong gets stuck in the rubble. This whole guy I like right at face level with the hillbilly encampment. <laughs> and they're being hillbillies and burning him with cigarettes and shit. <laughs> and then he just shakes everything up and straight up eats that one hillbilly. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty great. They were trying to get, he was trying to get his old lady to sleep with him. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm done talking about this one. King yeah. Kong Cuck. Yeah, on to the next. Done with this one. Oh, 1984. Uh, I would recommend this only to diehards. Yeah, you either got to be a diehard Kong fan or just like uh, sadist like Grizz is. <laughs> or just like humorously bad movies. It is Godzilla. pretty bad movie. All right, Todd, what's our next film? Almost killed the franchise. <laughs> Shame it didn't. What do we got next? <laughs> uh, moving along to uh, some of that Lord of the Rings money. King Kong 2005. Peter Jackson starring Naomi Watts. The, I mean, he can do any genre. Jack Black and Adrian Brody. And I think this is either right before or right after he did really racist stuff on SNL and got banned. So. Mm-hmm. Good times. Good times, and I, I, you know, he's like, you know what, Kong is not long enough. <laughs> so, I forgot to mention, 
just to reiterate that Kong 76 does revisit the log shaking scene. Yes. From the first film. And we get that again in this one as well. Benny, do you have, do you feel like there's any kind of setup that needs to be I set? I you're going to like shame me because uh, I skipped like the King Kong cartoon movie, but you're like, you this, this is an absolute love letter to the original King Kong. Yeah. I I paid more attention and caught more references, nods to the original, like uh, when Jack Black's Carl is in the limo and they're looking for an actress. And did you catch that one where they said uh, they say he says what about Faye? Mm, and he yeah. says ah she's working on a picture with RKO. Yeah. And just little nods like that that were cool. I thought well, he even quotes the dialogue directly when they're in the diner. Says, "I'm dealing straight with you. I'm on the level." They, I feel like this painted a great picture of the Depression era mm-hmm. in that the beginning, really like that. They really spelled that out for you and gave you more of that sense of desperation of both the actress and the director to take this chance. And go out. They were starving. They were literally starving people. Uh, this movie's runtime, and this is for for the theatrical release, three hours and twenty one minutes. You don't see Kong until an hour and ten minutes in, and you don't leave Skull Island until two hours and eighteen minutes into this movie. And then you get a 30-minute ice skating scene. This movie, (laughs) I still really, really like this version. It's an hour too long. Easily. It's an hour too long. I I really enjoy this version. It's been a long time since I watched it. And re-watching it, I was like, man, there's so much stuff that I could literally cut out right now that's not necessary that would have made it a better movie. Because it doesn't, I don't think it holds up. Like, Like, when it came out... And the effects, and I mean, yeah, it's his love letter to Kong, but then, yeah, after you watch it the first time, and it's, you know, it's it's no Titanic. He had kind of, by this point, hadn't he kind of conditioned us to really long feature films, though, with The Lord of the Rings? Where he took The Hobbit, that's one book. Well, that's the funny thing, too, is that we're all okay with The Lord of the Rings trilogy, right? So, Fellowship of the Ring... Um, Two Towers, Return of the King, they all had, they all definitely had reasons for why they were like two and a half hours theatrically, three and a half hours uncut. But then he went and and he made this movie, and then after this, he goes on to take The Hobbit, a children's book, and make three, three hour movies out of one book. And and I just, it totally lost, like, I I didn't even watch the third Hobbit movie because it's. I have, I don't remember. Anything about them. Because they're so full of fluff to fill that runtime. The best movie of the whole thing. They're so full of fluff to fill that runtime that I quit caring. Like I'm like, you're not telling the story. You're telling you're just making a movie about stuff. Yeah, you're you're not making a movie of one book. You're not being told no is what's going on, which is the same thing with King Kong. Now, I really like this version, and I think I would be I'm with you guys in the runtime. I would be more forgiving of it if this story hadn't been made. Like, if this is the first time, sure, let's go big. But you are remaking a movie that is already well-established. 
we don't need to be over three hours. And don't forget, already has a masterpiece remake. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and this, you know, this was a hot hit, and so you know, I think it's just inevitable that Kevin Costner should have done Godzilla. <laughs> so then they could have done a twenty-hour you know, King Kong versus Godzilla. Indeed, I I do really enjoy this version. I and I. You put it perfectly. It's a love letter because it is yeah, yeah. completely romanticizing the original, embracing it, leaning into it, but also, you know, ratcheting it up a little bit from where they were. Yes. Things that he could get away with a little bit more during fight sequences. And that's like the other that. thing, too, where I enjoy the other ones. I enjoy the original because of its innovative technology and special effects. The same with Rick Baker's uh, physical costuming. This one was a showcase of modern technology of computer-generated special effects. And it brought back that adventure of larger-than-life dinosaurs and giant insects. Like, it really had, it, it had all those things in spades. Like, and a completely underrated aspect of it is it's insane how similar Watts is to Fay Ray. Mm-hmm. Like, her, like, her looks. It's not something I would have ever thought about, but... She, very, very similar. They where they were able to also in the original a, a stop motion creature was able to have so much of a personality. I feel like Peter Jackson really nailed that. When, of course, that was Andy Circus as well, wasn't it? Yeah, Kong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I really liked the design of Kong as a, more of a quadruped, uh, more of a, a true gorilla. I liked that take on it. He got a silverback. Yep, I, I also I like the 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 different approach to the natives of Skull Island as well. Terrifying. Yeah. Poop your pants, sir. Yeah, yeah, and it should like that whole island is lush jungle, and the people only live on yeah. this rough ass, almost like, uninhabitable rock. No offense on this shitty bar. We're staying out here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I didn't get the bitch about the runtime, so I'm going to do that before we get too much further into the film. Uh, but I want to say that, like, I saw this when it came out in the theater, and I remember back then thinking, my God, this movie is too long. And as time has gone by, I thought, maybe, maybe I'm being too hard on it. And so I sit down last night. Because you I have said, more patience now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I, smartphones have not lowered my attention span at all. Uh, and I sit down and I'm watching everything leading up to Skull Island and I'm like, I was too hard on this movie. Man, this is killer. This is crushing it because it does. And then they spend 16 hours on Skull Island. <laughs> and it's just, and I get it. We're, we're going bigger. We're showcasing the technology. This is 15 years later. The technology still holds up. It, it still looks great. I was very surprised and thankful for that. But my God, it's too long. I mean, there's just too much time on Skull Island. That's the hour that could have been cut. You could have made all that stuff on Skull Island shorter and not lost so many people. Yeah, we didn't even have to, really, other than, because I do appreciate that he worked really hard on putting in the spider pit scene, which was the original had filmed and lost, I think, or did they film it? It, it was a lost aspect of it. Which I think was one of the main purposes he wanted to do yes. all of this for. Because I think, didn't he do a version right before this where he helped recreate, like, to put in, like, one of the special edition 
King Kong's. That I don't know. But, Probably with his money and cloud at that point. So that that was that was cool. Um, acting was good, and I like Jack Black, but sometimes I felt like he started I think channeling. It, I still don't know what he did last summer. Like I think if his role would have been cast better, it would be a much stronger movie. I and I hate to say that too because I am a Jack Black fan. Yeah, and, I like and, him. Okay, and, it's just not great for a three-hour episode. And he, was, he was Jack Black. And he here's the thing, I, and I don't think he was bad. I don't think his yeah. acting was bad. But because it's Jack Black, you keep waiting on him to go at any time in the movie. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's it. I can't. I couldn't accept him as Carl Dennis. It's like he was Spy- Jack Black. That's that's how I felt when I watched Spiral. Is like it's Chris Rock's doing a good job. It's my fault that I'm hearing like yeah a dollar. But I think I think that was an unfortunate casting. That, that's detrimental. It doesn't spoil the movie, but it doesn't help it. Where? Yeah. If he would have just saved him for the sequel and made Jack Black Sheet Kong. <laughs> um, <laughs> one, thing, one thing I did really appreciate the addition of that I think that this film captures really well is Jack Black as Denim uh, focusing on getting the shot. Like he, he's really doing some dangerous yes. things to make sure that they keep filming. And here, go stand over there. Go stand over there. You know what I mean? Like, I think that that's really good to just kind of really show you what kind of person Denim is. Mm-hmm. Um, but also things that were kind of like unspoken in the first movie, the original, but like really well done, overstated, that even translates better into a future generation like now as we see people putting themselves in danger to film stuff on their cell phone. You right. know what I mean? He w- and I, I do think that Jack Black, hit probably his finest moment is the moment where he realizes his film's been exposed and it's all been for nothing. Yeah. And he just kind of snaps that his facial expression with all the acting without speaking. I think that is the moment where he absolutely That's shines. A good point. That's probably why Jackson had him in mind. Yeah. He absolutely shines in that part. Uh, Carl Denham is an absolute twat in this movie. <laughs> like this is the most selfish prick ever. Like yeah. just lie to anybody to get what he wants Put in, and it, you were expendable. Everyone yeah. was expendable as long as he could get back and make his but, money. To echo both of you guys on that, that I think he was always that, but Jackson yes. did a better job yes. at really putting that up front. I think something that, to me, was good uh, for the film was that they kept it in the 30s. Yeah, instead oh, yeah. of, like, I think if they would have did a modern, no. like, the, like the, the previous remake, I don't think, like especially a three-hour it's either going to be like it's going to be King Kong in the in the hood or the the Kong fights the, the Kong <laughs> rampages through New York. You're racist. That part where they've got Kong. That's, in, I didn't make those Leprechaun movies. Well, they've got Kong in the theater and he's just laying there and they're yeah. stretching his arms up. It's very reminiscent for me of seeing pictures of gorillas that have been poached in mm-hmm. the wild and the way they'll spread their arms out like that yep. for display. And I don't know. They just. So I love the seat clearing when he breaks yes. loose. That's my favorite part of the movie. When he leaps up into the balcony and it starts to break. Like, yeah, that cool. whole thing. They do such a great job with that entire entire thing. Them shits had me banging my chest watching it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, just... And, and yes, he was big, but it wasn't ridiculously big like, like you know, Godzilla, King Kong stuff. He still, you know, cars... It still took him some force to knock a car over. It wasn't like he was flipping him with his fingertips. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, 
they did a they really did a good job showing that that friendship, love, whatever between Naomi Watts and the CGI calm. Like he knocks it out of the park in so many ways. I, honestly, the only thing I can I, I can it's a detriment is the runtime. Really, that's the only bad thing I can say about this movie. Can we get Peter Jackson on the horn and say, hey, <laughs> yeah, like, hold on a second. We want to <laughs> release a Midwest Monsters cut of this film. <laughs> Maybe that, can, that can start being the trendy thing is instead of longer movies, there's like a special <laughs> special shorter cut. Just like those uh, memes, the short version of movies. <laughs> there, there's a couple of parts in the movie where I think the special effects haven't aged well, but you're going to have that no matter what. Some of it looks a little... Where they're running from the dinosaurs. Yeah. Some of that. That's hard to do. But nonetheless, I think this holds up really well. I think it, it's a great calm. Sure. But it's just. Well, I think, long. too, with some of that stuff that maybe doesn't age as well, it's easier to be forgiving with, with movies like this and the original because you can tell they maxed out every single possibility. Grizz, I was thinking about you. And as you a, as you often do, there's a scene where they're walking in, and a guy says, "I spent twenty bucks on these tickets." <laughs> okay, and so twenty dollars in nineteen thirty three <laughs> is worth four hundred seventeen dollars and ninety nine cents today. So, so that's the kind of money Carl was trying to. Trying to get, and well, that's why that smile's so big on his face at the beginning of that. The show. only way that money is worth it is if that thing breaks loose and kills me. So people <laughs> did kind of it did some of their money's worth. What it was supposed to do. Again, I would have shit a little. You no, see that you first song? You just kind of summed up what I would say about that movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Peter Jackson's Kong. Tally, what's next? Moving along to Kong Skull Island, twenty seventeen. Directed by Jordan Voigt Roberts, uh, starring Tom Hiddleston, Samuel L. Jackson, John Goodman, Brie Larson, John C. Riley, and Corey Harkins. Hawkins. Sorry, I can't read her talk. Hmm. Boy, do I love this movie. This is my favorite. <laughs> this redeemed it. I, like I said, I've been thinking about this the whole, every time you keep talking about Kong and the and how long. This movie starts, and it's like two minutes in, and it's like, here I am. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This movie is just a blast. It's just a blast. So, quick synopsis. What do they think they discovered on this island? It's an anomaly, right? Well, I think the guys that they're going on are they're testing like Hollow Earth, aren't they? Because it's part of like a... I think they're looking for like a... Is it a natural gas or something? That's the cover. Yeah. But then in reality, John Goodman's cooking up some other stuff. Well, because this is... The, uh, yeah, because I think that... Well, they suspect there's and, something under living under the surface. And this is technically a sequel in the new Godzilla universe. Yes. And so it's the same corporation. Well, technically the prequel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right, 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 right. If so. you pay it. <laughs> it's a prequel in the new guys. The they're talking about this company trying to pour, bring all these kaiju out. Uh, I'll, I'll, all right, good. Um, and so, uh, yeah, they go there because they think they go find something, right? And they get these troops fresh out of Vietnam. Well, because Vietnam has, they just announced that. That they're pulling the troops and, and the war is over. And Sam Jackson is very upset about that. Which is crazy because he usually doesn't get upset in movies. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, any other rough 
looks at the synopsis. I yeah, love the cold open. The cold open with the uh, World War II, the Japanese pilot and the American pilot go down on oh, this island, so and they try to kill each other, and you never know what happens until later. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. Where should we go from here? That could have been a whole sweet movie on its own. Yeah. I like the a part friendship in the strangest of places. I like the part where they're in the the open field, and Samuel L. Jackson goes, "I'm tired of these motherfucking apes <laughs> on these motherfucking planes." <laughs> You've been saving that one. I just thought of it. <laughs> Clearly worth it. Yeah, uh, this movie is just so much fun. Um, it not again. I'm not saying that Peter Jackson's King Kong was bad, but it just kind of spoiled me. Well, I feel like this is more, I hate to say the word cinematic, because I don't mean it that way, but like you have, because it's 1970s, so you have an awesome 70s soundtrack, which is really not what King Kong is known for. Um, the, The special effects were awesome. Kong is actually, this is probably the biggest he's ever been. Biggest. Because he's got to match Godzilla for when they go at it. Um... And he also don't, he don't F around, because as soon as they're flying through, I think it's like a tree or a banana, or I don't know what he throws at the first chopper, but... Uh, a tree. <laughs> a tree. Not a banana. <laughs> when you don't have your glasses, there can be anything coming at you. Uh, but yeah, he, uh, he just starts kind of taking them out, and then not to mention all the crazy stuff that's on the island, and the fact that... Uh, because I think at some point they talk about killing Kong, and they're like, he's the god here. He's what protects from all the, yeah. what do they call like the... dumb bitches. He's, he's on <laughs> he's your the side. good guy. What's he calls uh, them like the skull crushers. Yeah, the, the, uh, What's well, he called? better than what I was thinking. Do you guys remember? Skull fucker, but... <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's <laughs> exactly like a, I, Nine I, Inch Nails remix. I apologize that it's King Dong, <laughs> Skull Island, not King Kong. Skull, I, this movie, do we two hours long, we got Kong 30 minutes in. Yeah. There's, there's no waiting around on this. And they're set up for the story, and then it's, it's on. I They went back to a more bipedal Kong in this one. Does that mean he likes both apes? Yes, it does. <laughs> I was say, Kudos for, to Todd. He waited that long. For to those of you listening at home and Todd, that means he walks on two legs. <laughs> <laughs> but that, I, it was so smart of them not to remake the thing again, you know, remaking King Kong over again, but to instead find another way to use this character and, and tell a different story. I like the, I like the take on the natives in this one as well on the Island. I think that's really neat. Uh, did you, John, did you cover John C. Riley's character had been shot down during World War II? Well, we didn't get to that point where they had found him yet. And so, okay. yeah, go ahead. So I stepped all over that. Thank uh, you. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, they run into John C. Riley, who's been marooned ever since he was shot down, uh, enemy mine style, <laughs> his <laughs> Japanese counterpart since World War II. So the the name is Skull Crawlers, and I love that part in the movie where they're like, he's like, no, he protects them, man. He fights the Skull Crawlers. And they're like, why do you call them that? Because it sounds neat. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, like, actually, I've never said it out loud before. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> the Louise the won't speak their name, but I call them school crawlers. <laughs> I said, now, now I say it out loud, maybe it's not that cool. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds stupid now that I say it. They, this movie had that high adventure that belongs in a Kong movie. 
this movie had a bad guy, a foil, which was nice, because that took the heat off of Kong. Kong got to be the baby face in this, through the whole thing. Um, I don't know. It, it, was, it was definitely... Definitely epic, and I love it. it just, I just love that it was a different King Kong story, where he wasn't getting a giant heart transplanted into his body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I just like that it's a different King Kong story. Yeah, action scenes are great. Everything is done very well. I've watched this a lot actually in the short amount of time that it's been yeah, out. Not a love story. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> I've watched it an embarrassing amount of times since it's well, come I, out. I uh, I thought it looked good, but I I my I feel like any Tarzan or King Kong like those those are definitely my dad's films. Yeah, I've actually got this weird tick. I can't go to work until I've watched this each day. <laughs> now I um I, this is easily my second favorite movie out of all the ones we're covering. Like I, this blew me away when it came out, and what I loved about it was that I had no expectations. I was Same. so programmed to the same story over and over and over again with King Kong that this just came in out of left field, just completely fun. It's also it, got a great soundtrack. Yeah. I was going to say it's yeah. got uh, music that we know instead of an epic score, uh, which completely changes the dynamic of what you're watching and what to expect. It's got a sense of humor as previously mentioned. Uh, but at the same time, it's still full throttle. Yes. It gives you all the things you want. So, it completely flipped the Kong story as we knew it on its head. And I think it's fun from start to finish. There's not things in there where I'm like, oh, why are we doing this? It sets out to entertain and it does. The cast is great. I think the one thing that surprises me the most is that I think normally I would not like John C. Riley's character and the addition <laughs> of that to the movie. Man, he makes it work. His, oh, yeah. He ends up being one of the best arcs of it. Yeah. Um, with his Especially at the end. end. Yeah. Like, just little things that they didn't have to do like that. That just It's such a rich movie, but it never is stuffy. It's never been stuffy. I, I really, really love this movie. I don't feel like anybody's miscast. That was a complaint we yeah. had with Peter Jackson, and I don't think that anybody in this movie was no. miscast. Well, a lot of the soldiers, even, because not all of them got long screen time. Because, man, I feel like even each soldier's death sucked. Yeah. yeah. And that big-ass tree spider thing. Because they could have made that crazy, too, but it just its legs look like, like, like the trees around them. Yeah. Well, and I love, too, that we really open a lot of the excitement with tropes that we're familiar with so that we can kind of put it in scale. We've all seen those montages of the choppers in Vietnam taken off with some classic rock to it. Yeah. And so we do that here and then all hell breaks yeah. loose and completely makes the viewer understand the scope of what they're seeing. Yeah. And I think that's just such a fun way to open the movie. And I want to uh, the, open the fun part at least because there's plenty before that. And I just want to document talking about the soldiers. I think as an actor, Shea Wiggum gets criminally no credit, and he shows up as like that guy and everything, and he's really good at it. Uh, but he's he's a jerk in the movie, you know, the guy on the left there. Yeah, but he's such a good actor, and he shows up mm -hmm. in so much stuff. You're like, ah, hey, yeah, Boardwalk Empire, mm -hmm. yeah, you. But yeah, I mean, everyone in this film, Brie Larson, Thomas, I mean, they all play their parts so well, and it's just, it's awesome. I love it. Oh, I love it so much. <laughs> and I, I love the fact that it's a period piece, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That really, I think, adds to it. Okay. 
Todd, we got one left. All right, so moving along to Godzilla versus Kong 2021, I guess, technically. Um, directed by Adam Wingard, uh, starring Alexander Skarsgård, Millie Bobby Brown, Kyle Chandler, and Lance Reddick. Oh, that was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, I'm Professor Wayne. We're all done. Oh, that was a good one. All right. Uh, this movie, my complaint with this movie is the same complaint I've ever had with any Godzilla movie ever made, as I mentioned earlier. There's too much going on with the humans in this story. Nobody came to see yo ass. Everybody came to see King Kong versus Godzilla. Okay. Now, at least they didn't drag it out, drag it out, drag it out. You only get it the last 10 minutes of the movie. You get, what, three bouts between Godzilla and King Kong, which is all anybody came for. Mm -hmm. The scenes are great. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Great. And my big fear was going to be that it was going to be that all at night, like they did with Godzilla, fight scenes real tight like that, those Born Identity fights and the fights in the Nolan Batman movies where you don't see anything going on. Bullshit. Fully panned out. Like, great, great fights. It's everything that, it's what I wanted it to be. Yeah. It was a, a epic monster movie of two monsters fighting. It was everything that I wanted it to be. Yeah, buddy. I wasn't looking for anything else. That's why people, when they criticized it, I was like, what What did you expect? I think did you this? think this was going to be Casablanca? I think the, yeah. the biggest yes. thing I saw was that it was, <laughs> I, I hate saying this, but too sci-fi. Uh, <laughs> I was like, well, it is a science fiction movie. Um, I think the thing, and what they probably meant to say was the, like the inner dimension. And the, uh, that's the only thing I can kind of imagine like where they go down into the core and um, it fits in this movie though. Uh, my big thing that, that I thought sucked was this definitely was one of the films affected by COVID. Um, though I think, it did, I think, uh, I think this is one of the bigger movies to come out this year though. So it did get people streaming and going to the theater both. Um, and I think it is hurt a little bit that it's following Kong Skull Island and kind of like the, the Batman, Superman, the newer ones. I'm like, Superman can't get two damn movies without Batman showing up. I kind of feel like Kong should have got another movie. They're talking the, about doing another movie. Well, I'm cool with another After. movie, but I just feel like he should have got one yeah. more movie before they went at it. Yeah, I was surprised when they announced this. I thought, well, you've got money going on in both directions yeah. here. Why not run them Godzilla a little bit to got build two up movies. to it? Right. Um, I really like this movie. My one complaint with it is I feel like they go way too elaborate with the twists and turns. And a lot of times it feels with all the success of the Marvel movies, it just feels like that. I mean, for a whole category of films that have been beloved for decades and decades and decades, you don't need to imitate anything. Right. Um, and I felt like those things aren't a, necessarily a bad thing. I just didn't need them. Um, right. I felt like it, it drug it out way more than I needed it to. Like, as you said, I just want to watch these two whoop ass. Yeah. Like, I don't I want to see it. a slobber knocker. I don't give a flying shit what Millie Bobby Brown is doing. Right. And I do like the way that we get tastes of it, and then we have to wait. I mean, there's some good to that. But overall, I just think the movie's bogged down with some of that. But, again, I like it, and it's worth watching for the battles. Yeah. 
Oh, I mean, all those things aside, you have to see it for those. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and I'm just happy that there are... I'm happy there's a comic movie being made that is enjoyable. Mm, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, I would agree. It gets a little convoluted with the twists and turns and yeah. the hollow earth. And it's like, okay. like You could have left a lot of that out and just focused on, spoiler alert, the creation of Mechagodzilla. And not had all the extra stuff. It's like right. do one or the other, right? Yeah. Take them into Hollow Earth and let them fight there. Like do have them come together and fight Orca. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like when is Thor going to get here? Yeah, <laughs> what is going on? Right. Uh, but you know, going into this, my wife was like, "I'm not really excited about this because I like Godzilla and Kong, and I don't want them to fight. Like I don't want I don't want one of them to lose." And I was like. I don't think you're going to be disappointed. <laughs> like we've already been conditioned to like them. Yeah. Something's going to come along. Oh, yeah. an evil genius has made a robot Godzilla. Yeah. And so that's cool because it just keeps, it just keeps taking the old Kaiju universe and, and mega Godzilla was cool. Yeah. Absolutely. I thought it was really yeah. cool. So you're already, um, you already introduced Ghidorah and Mothra in King of the Monsters, and so we're just expanding that yeah. original kaiju universe. And so, yeah, I thought it was brilliant to have Mechagodzilla and let that be the true villain of the film. So, yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else to say about Godzilla v. Kong? I'm just so happy to finally cover the King Kong movies. I've been wanting to do this it for, real nice. what, four years? So it's nice to finally be here and to have done it. Dreams well, do I'm come glad, I'm glad we didn't lose you and chose to do these instead. Since you were like, I'm leaving the group. <laughs> yeah. I Ultim gave an ultimatum. Ultimatums had, were set. I had dynamite strapped to my body. <laughs> I don't know how well it's going to pick up, but I'd like to try and play the screams. Do it. From the end of uh, King Kong in the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> okay okay there it is there you have it folks the king kong franchise what a journey it has been and i'll tell you what we're nearing two hours on the episode yep. that is Since one king kong kong i can't speak now i just yeah. full and the if you stayed with us, we didn't even talk about King Kong until 40 minutes into the <laughs> Well, at this point, if you're watching Peter Jackson's film, you <laughs> just got on the boat. I was going to say, ironically, us talking about Peter Jackson's runtime is what ran us up to two hours. <laughs> so, thanks for sticking with us, folks. Hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Uh, until next time, I'm one of your hosts, Grizzly Abner, and I'm joined by... Professor Wagstaff. Venomous Vinny. Bye, Toddy. Stay scary. Thank you.